1: It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.
0: It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood.
2: Good morning and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you're listening Right around the country, Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing,
1: boating and the great outdoors. Good morning to you, Redmond. Good morning, Patrick. It's a little bit uh, fresh on the willy out there, isn't it? We've seen the change in oh, weather. has it been? It's, it's... Uh, going to be the change of season, that's for sure. The swell's been terrific, though. If you if you enjoy a wave and you're a surfer
2: along the uh, the south coast of a, of a Victoria at the moment the surf's been sensational
1: not real good when you need to drive through bars to go fishing though <laughs> it's uh, it's been it's we are starting to see the change we're going to talk about it soon and what to target I guess in the winter months but as usual you've got some exciting electric car news no before we uh, before we get into
2: a bit of a news around the 4x4 industry we've got a massive show uh, ahead this morning Redmond we're going to chat once again these barrels of fishing incredibly Well, but we're catching up with uh, a young man, Mitch Johnson, he's a West Australian, and he is travelling around Australia at the moment in his uh, troop carrier, and he's basically going from fishing destination to fishing destination, he doesn't have a boat, he jumps on with his mates, and his socials, Gone Fishing on YouTube, it's one of the most incredible YouTube sort of files you'll see, Redman, some incredible captures. I think I'm on fire.
1: That's a couple of good guests in a couple of weeks. I'm, ta- I'm taking this one. i It's met-
2: taken four years, but you've, your contribution <laughs> to the show is really starting to improve. Good. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right. I, I met Gorney down at Port Mac last week when we were chasing barrels, and I did see his beautiful barrel, which we're going to talk about soon, so yes. we won't give too much away, but he's a fantastic fella. And I'm just a little bit wee jealous of what he's doing right now. So that's going to be a cracking chat after the I think after the break or the one after. It is so living the dream, traveling around Australia. that's what we want to be doing. Now
2: a bit of four by four news: uh, Enios Grenadier coming to Australia in 2023. For those unfamiliar with it, it is of course the old school Land Rover Discovery that has been rebuilt essentially. Uh, it's going to be a BMW engine, and their pricing has been released eighty four and a half thousand plus on road costs.
1: Yep, and there's not much between the petrol and the diesel either. No, nah, exactly right. And and furthermore,
2: given the fact they've got um, they've got a, a, a Ute option of it as well, they're all still around the same cost. So you're not paying a whole lot more for a wagon version of it. So we're starting to we'll start to see more of those. I think roughly twenty nine dealers around Australia. Um, is that pricing about right, do you feel? I mean, that's, or, that's where majority... Can you put this into perspective? How big is this car? It It is literally exactly like a nineteen yep. mid-90s Land Rover def, uh, disc, uh, Defender. Righto. It's the exact same car.
1: It's pr- I think it's pretty cheap. Well, I don't think it's horrendous. No, I, like as in, when I say cheap, I don't have 84 grand a bite right now, but I think it's under the cost price. Like, well, when you look at...
2: You know, Toyota Land Cruiser's coming in now at... $255 million. <laughs> <laughs> You know, early one i am not saying this has the same level of, you know, history that the Land Cruiser has. But I feel like this isn't...
1: There, there might be a market for this car. So... Do you know why I reckon there'll be a market? Is because it looks cool. As well, bad as it sounds, it does look like the old school truck. Yeah, it's
2: Spartan in design. So it's really simplistic and it's designed for that, for that reason, so what? Do you, what's your opinion on a three liter? Well, everything. Engine? Well, they're well, they're all capable of towing three and a half tons. Yep. that's that's important.
1: Well, I don't mind it.
2: You could buy three one. Three liter. Yeah. Well, I I just don't. I I'm surprised at the cost. I feel like, given the inflation around vehicles at the moment, this is sort of what you're paying for everything. The question is, are you prepared to pay that amount of money for essentially a startup?
1: And it doesn't come, it's not, it hasn't got the most exciting accessories in it either. No, no, no. It's pretty, so, it's pretty plain.
2: Absolutely. Um, Ford F-150 Lightning, deliveries are now expected any day. They're talking in the States, the range has been released from 230 miles to 320 20, miles. Um, depending on the model and Depending whatnot, on you your, know, you got your, your model. So Lightning, you're looking at, you know,
1: 5 to 700 k. Nearly double of what? 230, yeah. to double it. just double it to be... Roughly in the kilometre range. Yeah, so is that about right? Like, I feel like, you know, we, we're going to see... Right?
2: going to see. We're going to see the F-150 in Australia. Why do you
1: have an F-150? In all honesty, why would you have an F-150? To tow. Exactly. Do you reckon you're going to be able to tow and get that range out of that? Because I'd be half in it.
2: Well, that's going to be the question, isn't it? Mm, I mean,
1: that's where I'm a bit funny on it.
2: Their standard battery setup's 98 kilowatts, so that delivers the, the mm. 230. So, you say you double it, 460, you, you add your range on. Now, while you're towing... You're traditionally towing because I want to take my you know seven meter boat from Melbourne to Portland. Yep, that's going to be a four
1: hour trip. You don't exactly want to get halfway through it and then have to. It takes nine hours to charge the standard model.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: So for me, if you and I go to Portland and you've got your F one fifty and uh, you've got hundred k's left in your tank and you and and, and Port Max not in your tank uh, in your battery in your battery and. Uh, Port Macs 155, say just an example, and I say yeah. to you, I'm going to Port Mac. That's where the barrels are. And you go, hold on, I can't go because I charge my car. <laughs> Perhaps it's not a car necessarily for Australian,
2: you know, to- towing, tow enthusiasts. But uh, it, just yet. but
1: it is coming next year. It, it is the, in the uh,
2: well. It's coming to the states. not coming to Australia. We're going to see the 150 in um, 2023. Yeah, but I'm talking. We're not going to see the electrified version. Oh, sorry. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, There's been a massive uh, shrimp discovered, Redmond. What was it? It was a a new species.
1: It's ugly. (laughs) Not only is it ugly, but it's freaking huge. If I was something, that'd be me. (laughs) Bright and orange. (laughs) It is massive. So it's a new species which is. uh, Measures more than eight. Measures more than eight
2: centimetres, nearly twice the size of its uh, nearest relative. So a little bit of science for real adventures this morning.
1: Well, this has found 6,000. Meters deep, which is three point seven miles down. Yeah, okay.
2: So it's not going to be super relevant for um for well, fishing. Probably oh, no relevant to our listeners either. I was about to say swordfish. I tell you what, our man Mitch Johnson, he's got a cracking story about a swordfish he, as well. He does,
1: and I filled you in a little bit of it at the start at uh, the start of the show just before we started, and I couldn't remember the fine details. So I'm actually excited to hear it again because. It was a couple of jamos later at the pub when he was telling me the story, so I'm actually looking forward to hearing that again, uh, and also something very unusual. And when I say unusual, not really unexpected, the giant squid that washed yeah. up at Cape York. Oh, that's um, that's scary. Twelve meters long.
2: That's a that's a big um, it's a big fellow. So Cape, Cape Town, Cape Town. oh uh, sorry, what did I say? Sorry, sorry, Cape, Cape sorry, York,
1: Cape Town. Apologies, but it's um. It's scary to think that they're there, like 12 metres long. Like, your boat's seven and a half metres. These things will go double the size of it. <laughs> it's
2: such a shame that we don't see a huge amount of vision. Obviously, it's so
1: deep. I'm great that I don't see these things. Yeah, you
2: know, when you talk about, you know, we've often talk, uh, we have often speak about swordfish being the ultimate, penultimate game fish. But, you know, within those depths, you know, they're mingling with, with giant
1: squid. Fascinating. When you catch species of fish, for example, uh, mako sharks, swordfish, I've seen in photos, and you see sucker marks, sucker marks. on the yeah. face of yes. sharks and on the face of swordfish, it actually freaks me out the hell out. Like, have you, you you've caught a lot of arrow squid out in the ocean? Yeah. They are absolute pricks of things.
2: Well, there They're was. So aggressive. It was doing the rounds on social media last week. There's, someone had caught a uh, arrow squid and there was an arrow squid sitting in behind it, attacking the squid that was already yeah. hooked. Like, it's incredible to think how aggressive.
1: I, uh, I was fishing off Marlow one time in the southeast side of Victoria with a couple of good friends, and Big Robbie, a good friend of mine, and he's out in the side of the boat. Uh, tr- we're trolling for kingfish, and I was rigging up, a, rigging up an arrow squid. And as I'm putting the hook through the top of the arrow squid, the arrow squid like stands up like they trying to bite you as they do because they're yep. aggressive. And I like flicked it off my hand and it landed on the catch bag that had all the fish in. And Robbie, I don't know if he was reorganizing it, what he was doing, but somehow crawled onto his leg. It took a chunk out of his calf. Oh, kidding. <laughs> he never forgives me for that. <laughs> day. And that's not a lie. It literally took a whole, like a bird, like a bite mark out of his calf. And that was me trying to hook it. And I flicked it off. And because the kingfish were going nuts, I didn't even look at it on the ground. I just grabbed the next one out of the tank to go. Ah! And Robbie goes, what the? a few other swear words in there. <laughs> and What was that? I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. sorry, It mate. Mate. <laughs> was the narrow squid just sorry, bit your leg. Mate. And he's like, Jesus. So back to what I was saying, imagine seeing one of these things in the water when you're spearfishing. Yeah. And some of these swordfish that you get out of Lake's Entrance, Mallacoota, and, it, and we speak of these fish because they're currently being caught in crazy numbers. Well, not crazy numbers, good numbers now. Yeah. Well yeah. worth heading yeah. out to catch yeah. one, I should say. And, I see some of the sucker marks that are like 50, bigger than 50 cent coins. I like, do. That's a big sucker. I,
2: I do. <laughs> that is a big sucker. <laughs> I do think that when, like obviously at the moment, Southern Bluefin tuna are going nuts and you have these, um, these divers that jump in and, and go
1: spearing for them. There's a lot of depth underneath you. You don't know what's under there. Did you see the photo during the rounds during the week? One of the guys was spearing just a local tuna. And he jumped in the water, and I'll try and find the photo for you, and I'll try and describe it now. He jumped in and said in his thing, I understand that there's sharks in the water. We understand that's part of the yes. part of the game. The risk. As he's getting out with his tuna, the bronzy was probably like three, four metres long. As he's getting out on his spear with the tuna lifting it over, the, the shark is completely up to its dorsal fin out of the water with its head on the side of the boat trying to bite the tuna. Last the, only a, Only, what, a week ago, if that. Like... The game getting in the water. And at Port Mac the other week, there was divers getting in. A fella spearfished a, a spear, which is they say is the biggest one on record on spear. I think it was 145 kilo, give or take. Um, and they're jumping into this bait ball. And this bait ball has... <laughs> Albatross all over the top of it. Yeah, Gannett, no, Seal. Oh, I know what's in there. I know what's in there. You don't want to see what's in there. And these boys, are like, yeah, there's fish everywhere in there. I'm like, yeah, but Bruce is just behind him. Hey, so the, there's a um, there's ink behind me as well. It's all brown. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> just, <laughs> like, <laughs> shocking. So anyway, it's pretty uh, it's pretty hectic what goes on in the ocean. You had
2: a few guys this week. Some some really good captures, Redman.
1: Fishing's been good, Pat. Uh, we're going to talk now about a little bit of the change that's going to happen that we're yeah. going to see in the next month. Uh, I don't actually officially know when autumn's over, but I like to say autumn's over when we start to see those 13-degree days, which we've had the last couple of days, even 10 degrees at times. And we, I managed to get onto these big whiting. Now, what we're going to notice is big whiting are going to come on the bite, and they're big. The other yeah. day, all our fish were 45. I don't know if we broke the 50. I don't measure fish, but 45-plus centimetres, they're cracking fish, 40 of them. Now, what's going to happen is our ocean in victoria and the bays and inlets what's going to happen is our ocean current is going to now be warmer than what it is in the bay
2: now i remember you can cut and paste that for south australia as well yeah so it'll be very similar yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: so the ocean the ocean's what is going to be warmer and fishing closer towards entrances for whiting is going to be the more productive in the next month because is
2: that because of the nutrients that the ocean's bringing in? It's or the
1: warmer water, so okay. the the bay the bay is stagnant as such. So it might only hold between ten to twelve degrees, where the ocean probably won't get much less than thirteen to fifteen at yep. times. Yep. Um, depending on how cold this winter is going to be, it'll be interesting to see. But it, I'm tipping it's going to be cold. But it's going to mm-hmm. be the, the, the fish, chain Bun. <laughs> but one thing that I'm really fascinated with is these bluefin are a twelve month. Of the twelve months of the yeah. year, species there's no now, season now Mate, is there? they're still out there in massive numbers yep. off South Australia, and I'm talking yeah, school fish. Well. We won't talk yep. about the barrels at the minute, but school fish. Yeah, Victor's still going good. We're going to talk a bit about the wrap up about a few areas. Port Mac
2: fishing well, obviously there's school fish. There's been a random sort of captures Apollo Bay sort of
1: region, but nothing. The school fish at the rig at Apollo Bay are in plague proportions on the rig, long way out. Yeah,
2: plague proportions. Well, that's the thing. Eaglehawk Neck at the moment in Tasmania. We'll cover this in the. Um, Whip around. In the whip around, but the the challenge has been getting the real big girls to bite because there's so many school tuner. Even when they're doubling the size of the skirts, so they just can't they can't get through these schools. That's exact
1: issue at Portland and Port Mac. Port Mac's a little bit different now, but like two weeks ago, you, you're running 10, 12 inch skirts, trying to dodge them literally. And yeah. these school fish, and they're without when you, I target a fish, so I don't go out and chase a barrel and go, oh, how cool is this? We've got a school fish. Yep. we wanted school fish, I'd set up for school fish. I'm yep. targeting what we want to catch. Mate, they're a pain in the backside when you get a fish, like a school fish on a 50 wide, and you've got to wind it in, and it tangles with other lures, and yeah. you're not there to catch them. No, but, you're, but
2: you're specific with what you're going on. Exactly,
1: targeting. But it's great to see, because out of even and heads right now, <laughs> tuna everywhere, literally everywhere. No one's chasing them. They all yeah. think it's done. It's not done. I had a mate that fished, I haven't been out there, but a mate that fished, Monday or Tuesday, and he got his bag limit of 6, no worries, and released another 10 from yeah. sort of 8 kilo up to 20. So if you want to chase a fish, get off bow and heads. Got a massive show of real adventures coming your way this
2: morning. Like we said off the intro, we've got a great story. Mitch Johnson, like plenty of Australians uh, around the country at the moment, packed up the swag, packed up the trip carrier, and he's travelling right around fishing the... You know, premium destinations right around the country. Some absolute bucket list fish. After the break, uh, we're going to roll around the country and find out where's hot when it comes to the bite. There's plenty of questions to answer as well. Plenty of tuna in South Australia. But plenty of questions. The rock lobster in uh, in Western Australia as well. So it's a huge show coming your way this morning. Don't miss any of it. We'll catch you on the other side of the break.
0: You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood.
2: Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time to find out what's biting in your part of the country. A few
1: notable captures this week, Redmond. Yeah, it is, Pat. And one thing that I've been waiting for and a lot of New South Wales have been waiting for. Is that a word? We'll go with it. New South Welshman. Same thing. The yellowfin tuna sort of showed their faces up at so They're in that 500 to 1,000 fathom mark. Which is quite deep, so roughly double the length, just give or take, obviously. So quite deep on the other side of the shelf, but the yellowfin have showed their faces. No, nothing up at JB, Wollongong and that yet, but they have showed their faces there. And they're a bit late compared to last year. It's going to be very interesting to see what happened with the longliners out wide are literally stacked up out of Bermagui. Uh, Kingfish? Uh, Sydney Harbour. It's land-based. I don't know if you've seen those photos during the week. Yes. Some yep. cracking on sluggos. They got some fish up to 10 kilos. So that went. they were going really well in the harbour. I'm not sure how long they're going to hang for, but it is super exciting to see. Heading to South Australia, just a quick mention. I'm going to talk just a little bit about those tuna. They're still in ridiculous amount of numbers out of everywhere. But Victor, Port Mac in particular with those big barrels. Oh, the barrels out of Port Mac. Fishing
2: extremely well.
1: Queensland, Tweed, if you're fishing anywhere around the Tweed, running tide right now. Some of the flathead they're getting there are huge. Taylor flounder, and they're getting some other fish that must be caught all the time in Queensland, and I can't work out what in the hell it is. So if someone knows what it is, it's a triangle looking fish. <laughs> Send me a message, please, because I sound like an idiot. Thanks, David. <laughs> Bro, that's um,
2: that's real. That's really official of you.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, apologies, but it looks cool. The lobster pat in WA, uh, sixty thousand tag lobster released for uh, science studies, scientific studies. Yes. Uh, basically, run for four years now. To do research because the quotas came in uh, in 2010, so they want to study the behaviour of the rock lobster to help increase captures and decrease the cap, whatever it needs to be done. So that's pretty exciting. 60,000 have been tagged, and a lot of research have gone into that program regarding the West Coast rock lobster.
2: But this was key to when the fishery was moved to quotas in yeah, 2010. Yeah. So at the time, fishermen absolutely went berserk. But in 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 the end, at the I think it was like thirty bucks a kilo, and then the price went to one hundred and twenty. So the fishermen were working less. It was more sustainable for the fishery, but making the same, if not more. Money. And
1: and the good news is they're saying that it's more than sustainable. So they're well ahead of Most the numbers, which is which is which is great for the future. Uh, last report, just for Tassie Tassie Highlands. Now it's somewhere where you and I want to go to do our trout fishing, sunset and sunrise. Probably going to. Start to fish during the day, now we're getting colder. But rainbows and browns to 10 pound have been really good on fly there, Pat. So if you are in the highlands, which I want, wish we were, maybe at the end of the year, but it's fishing really, really well.
2: The other thing is eagle hawk neck at the moment. Um, it's easier to get the schools and at the moment, or the school tuner that is, but the big the big girls have been really difficult to capture. So you're seeing these huge... Southern bluefin tuna, but they're just not biting at the moment. So it'll be interesting to track that over the will won't be, won't be weeks. far away, yeah. won't be far away. To really get them going. And that's what's biting in your part of the country, Redmond. Let's get to the social club. We take your que- questions each and every week from social media. Um, send us a direct message on our Instagram, our Facebook, or better yet, download our Real Adventures app.
1: Patrick, how much input did you have on the design of your dash of your North Bank 750? Cheers, Mitch. Mitch you uh, didn't I did.
2: Yes, I I delegated. <laughs> it's very a uh, important part of leadership is good delegation and I <laughs> delegated to Aaron. No, uh North Bank had actually redesigned their dash with uh, with feedback essentially from consumers and from anglers. And and given everything now is leaning towards maxi size screens, you're looking at, you know, minimum, minimum twelve inch screens. Uh, and if you're going to have a 12 inch, you really you're, you're going two of them, or in my instance, put a 16 inch in there. So you liaised a lot with Rob, um, given I was sort of busy through or Rob and Andrew from from Melbourne. I Marine. wanted but
1: to put two screens in your boat, and I still do. I, I still
2: I, do. I like having the main screen. So it, how much input? Neat. A huge amount. Yeah, yeah, it was it was, you know, that's I think if you're going to design a boat from the ground up, and you've been fishing for a while, you sort of know how you want things planned and. and you know where it all sits.
1: They changed the design to do with to do with like the reflection as well. Because remember how it was a pain in the backside yeah. with the reflection from the sun on but the angle.
2: You're sitting at the back of the boat. You're trying to look. You can't you see, see it. the screen. Yep. You know that's why a lot of a lot of boats have dual screens sitting at the essentially at your transom because of the tilt of the dash. But luckily for the way that mine's set up, you can you can get a pretty good grip of it. Um, G'day, boys! Love the show. Aaron, do you think it's worth installing a leaning post for game fishing? Cheers, Kane.
1: Yes, I
2: do. Removable uh, though? Can, yeah, hundred can, can percent removable. You yeah, can yeah, yeah, him, yeah, I'm yeah.
1: 100 percent. You can remove it. Um, I think the younger kids, especially yeah. if you want to get them a barrel, uh, I plan to be doing it with uh, the little man himself. When I get him out in the water, I'd love to have a leaning post so he can lean into it and I don't have to hold him. Yeah. I think as a safety aspect. I think, as in, I fight some of these fish in horrid conditions, and I always have Kane or someone on the back of the boat, uh, Sturzy or whatever, holding the back of the, the harness, like when it gets rough, just because they're falling all over the shop. Where if you, put, if you can put a leaning post in, six so meter boat,
2: whatever it is, you're pushing your backside essentially into the leaning post. 100%. Rather than digging your knees or your into feet the gunnels. underneath the gunnels.
1: And leaning into it, and then when the fish gets closer, you can walk towards it. But I, I think, as a safety aspect, it's very, very important. But I also think as a uh, convenient side of it, I think it works really well too, being able to take it out of your boat, which most of them are, especially in trailable boats. Nice work, Kane. Uh Stacey, what's your
2: favourite ever fishing show, boys? Love the show. <laughs> Cheers, Stace. River somewhere.
1: <sighs> I'm going, I have to say, I think Worsling, as a kid, I'll never forget the day I watched him catch a heap. I can't remember where it was, but I remember me and Cam, my brother, watching him land Samson fish somewhere. And Samson fish That was the one fish I wanted to catch. Yes, yeah, so I
2: remember you talking you remember about this? this. I did until it. Until you went to South Australia and, I did and you it.
1: thought... I did it. But, geez, they're not as good at fighting fish as kingfish. No, not even close. I was spewing. <laughs> so, so I'm going to have to go with Paul. I think Paul's done... I, Lee Rayner's show's always been... Terrific, film, so that's yeah. the Paul's is more of an entertainment show, catches some wonderful fish, and Lee's was that sort of... Technical side. Technical side, so yeah. it was two different shows. And Great point. I don't know, I loved the both of them, I think, as that were the two shows that sort of... In Victoria, where I got to watch uh, watch them most weekends. A river somewhere for me. You've always harped on about that. I love it. I've, I've, I bought it on iTunes. And Black and white in is... it.
2: Almost. <laughs> <laughs> Rob Sitch, Tom Gleisner, ABC. Like I look back now and watch it, and we've had the boys in the show. It's terrific. It's great chat. Chat and on our one. Um, if you want to search it up, it's on our um, on our podcasts. But it wasn't about necessarily the fishing. It was about the story, the places they went. Um, the the comedy relief between them, the relationship that they clearly have. They're, they're great mates and, and obviously spend a lot of time fly fishing. But that's just one of the great fishing shows. I'd love them to to bring it back out, Redman. Because there in is, colour. There's, there's, <laughs> there's something special uh, about it. That wraps up our, uh, our questions for the week in the Social Club. If you want to join in the conversation, then make sure you send us a direct message. Ask us anything you like. We'll do our very best to get back to the questions that people send in each and every week. This is Real Adventures.
1: Gearing up for
2: Dometic. Dometic Patrol, an icebox with a sense of adventure. Everything you need for adventures, big or small. Mobile living made easy. Dometic. It's time for Gearing Up for Dometic. Enjoy the great outdoors with all the comforts of home with Dometic. Our special guest this morning, Aaron Met, like uh, all love stories do, you and I, Redmond, Aaron Met at the boat (laughs) ramp. Uh, Mitch Johnson an electrician by trade from Esperance down south and Western Australia. Thanks for joining Real Adventures, mate.
0: Oh, thanks, mate. Cheers for having me. Talk
2: us through the the plan of, of no plan, pack up the <laughs> troop carrier, and it's time to head around Australia.
0: Yeah, mate. So, uh, well, really, I just sort of got to a point in my life. I didn't really know what I was going to do anymore. So I just sort of thought I'll hit the beach to start with and um, – just decided to sort of head east from Esperance, um, yeah. Just sort of chasing away to start with, and then sort of kept making my way along. Finally hit the border after about a month. Um, got back off the beach, and then yeah, just sort of been targeting a different fish as I go along. Now you've been documenting your
2: trip, gone fishing on YouTube. Tell us about gone fishing because you obviously know your way around a rod because the captures that you've had, some of the biggest kingfish you could imagine, Samson fish, you caught a massive southern bluefin tuna last week. You name it, you're catching it at the moment.
0: Yeah, it's been pretty unreal, mate. I, um, yeah, I didn't really expect it, but I think I'm pretty dedicated to it, so <laughs> I just stick at it until it happens, really. Um, yeah, so I suppose the goal to start with was a, a big um, dewey or mulloway, Take us, that, take us through that Take
1: us through story, because I've heard the story, but take us through how long you were on the beach for and what you did, because this is fascinating.
0: Uh, so, well, I left on like 22nd of Feb, and I think I, yeah, pretty much from Esperance, hit the beach, and then just followed the beach the whole way along for about almost a month. <laughs> yeah, it took me to get off the beach um I was, yeah it was pretty extreme like went through some pretty bad storms got the bottom end of a cyclone at one stage and then yeah pretty much just followed the weather along and wherever i could fish i did like i just used my maps on my um HEMA maps and yeah just spent the whole time off road didn't see anyone didn't didn't come across too many people and then yeah just kept fishing
2: you haven't taken a boat with you on the trip, <laughs> but I trawl through your socials and your YouTube channel, and there's plenty of shots in boats. How's that happened?
0: I think just socials, mate. Just the same way I sort of met you, just talking to people at, at different areas along the way, and I think people just uh, yeah, real friendly about it, and I've sort of been lucky enough to been able to get on some real adventures offshore. Um, I think yeah, people like targeting fish like me sort of we. We all seem to like get along really well. So I've sort of been lucky enough that, yeah, I got to go out and chase kingfish for a bit there. Yeah, so that was pretty extreme. Um, and then same with the tuna. I sort of just, someone hit me up and said they were going to chase them. And I just went, well, do you need someone to come on board? So I just jumped in and did a trip down south. Ended up, he had to go home. So he left me with the boat. So <laughs> I spent a few weeks. Yeah, I sort of fixed his boat up for him, did a bit of uh, electrical work on there so that I was safe and then, yeah, just spent a few weeks chasing tuna until I finally got one.
1: Now, a bit of planning needs to be involved in these trips. Uh, probably, or does it, or, or, I was going to say, probably not, <laughs> actually. But you, I did get to see the weapon, the troopy that you had at the boat ramp. Now, you've kitted that out yourself because you're a handyman. Take us through the car and what's involved in that because you need to be able to do some cool stuff in it.
0: Yeah, well, I think because I wanted to go so remote and I think I like the idea of just being off-grid a lot more than just the normal sort of stuff, I sort of set it all up so it could all be self-sufficient. So I've got um, two sort of fridges in there. I've got the Red Arc system with a backup battery, sort of 200 amp battery, um, inverter. So pretty much I can charge all my cameras, run all the fridges, solar panel on top to charge it. Um, and then, same like this week, had an issue with my front battery, but I've got stuff to charge the battery, you know what I mean? Because you've got to have everything you need. Same with a winch on the front, just pretty much anything I could do. So, if I got extremely bogged somewhere, I was hoping that I'd still be able to get out. So, is the reason, is half the reason behind the
2: troop carrier as a choice of vehicle, given um, we obviously know the history of troop carrier, but compared to a lot of vehicles currently, there are sort of less technological advancements around electronics, meaning simply there's there's less that can go wrong with the car in the middle of nowhere and if you need to roundabout fix it yourself, you it's can an electrician, push, he can you, can, you can do anything. Yeah. You can bush mechanics.
0: Nah, well, I think growing up in a small town you're pretty lucky where you sort of learn a bit off. Off other mates, you have mates and mechanics or mates that are sparkies or, or fitters or whatever it is. And you just sort of, everyone seems to help everyone out. So I'd learn a lot off, I suppose, older mates and guys along the way. So the the thing with the troopy, it was the same. It was sort of a troop carrier or a 79 series for me, just because of the practicality. Like you said, you can, it's just a few hoses, a few things like that. They can pop off. There's not as much electronics and all the stuff like they have in all the newer cars these days. I think as soon as they put the V8 inside the Troopy, I was a lot more keen on it. It's sort of just having enough power to get you through everything and then being the Troopy and being by myself, at least you got somewhere you can get out of the rain and get out of the weather sometimes and just be inside the car.
1: Yep. Now, number plates. He's got number plates, Patrick. I know we've all got number plates, but he's got pretty cool <laughs> ones. Take us through the number plate story.
0: Yeah, so the number plates. Yeah, uh, so it's actually it was my dad's number plate. Growing up, the whole go on fishing thing. Um, I suppose when I started putting stuff online, I I didn't really have a name or anything like that to go with it. And I'm probably my dad's biggest fan. He's a fisherman himself, so he always had the go on fishing plates and. As a kid, I actually had a little fishing trolley that me and my granddad made that uh, was like Gone Fishing too. When I sort of got into the socials, I gave it the Gone Fishing name and then sort of before I went to take off, the old man sort of come in with a bit of paperwork one day and said he wanted to sign the name over to me car. And So, yeah, it's not, I didn't really do like an advertising thing. It was just, it's more of a, a hand-me-down, I suppose. Like, yeah, so got the old man to thank for that one. You've nailed a Southern Bluefin tuna last week.
2: What's next yep. on the menu for your adventure? Because it's starting to get a little cold in Vico at the moment. <laughs> is it heading north? Yes, what's What's next on the uh, agenda?
0: Uh, well, I'm sort of thinking Murray Cod. I think Murray Cod's a good one to tick off the list. Uh, even a trout, something like that, like just change it up a bit, go a bit inland, see a bit of uh, different countryside and maybe go on a few different adventures. But, yeah, I'm thinking Murray Cod and then – Probably, I'm not too sure yet. Maybe go overseas or, or head further up north and go chase some Marlin, something like that. The troopie is um, that
1: good. He doesn't actually, he just drives to Fiji.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. The Fiji thing could be a bit of fun. Um, but yeah, this it's sort of just, everything just keeps rolling one after the other at the moment. So I think I had the old, um, well, when I first left, it was um, a 50 pound muller away was sort of the goal. And then once I ticked that off the list, I was. I'd caught big kingfish back home but I'd never got one over sort of the 50 pound mark which 50 pounds around the 24 kilo something like that um so then I was able to take the 50 pound kingy off um and for those playing at home
2: that's like hooking a freight train traveling (laughs) underwater.
0: yeah (laughs) it is well I actually destroyed a one a diver that I was using one day because I just I locked the drag up so hard that it, it pulled the whole insides of the lure out of the lure. <laughs> there's um, a great, there's a
2: great photo of this on, uh, on Mitch's socials, gone underscore fishing fishing with an N. Uh, it's actually amazing looking at that photo because, like I said, it's literally ripped it out of the lure. That's the power of these fish.
0: Oh, they're ridiculous, mate. Yeah, I'd say pound for pound, that that has to be one of the top by far like i've caught big gts and i've caught dog doggies and stuff but um kingies are just real smart with the way they do it they'll they'll turn around they'll aim straight for for the reef or for a rock and then even when they're near the boat you'll think that you've caught them they'll start swimming out the boat and then everyone will be like "Yeah, we've got it and then it'll turn around and just disappear on you quite quickly so they're, they're pretty hard to catch like and they're definitely um very fussy like even to get them to bite and I think that's that's half the challenge with it once you actually hook one that yeah that you haven't necessarily caught it yet it's it, it's just starting so
1: now what I find fascinating as well there's two more stories Pat before you let him go I hope we got time for this I'm making it happen I want to talk yeah. in a minute about the swordfish that you caught because you are out for about 44 days chasing his swordfish <laughs> which we're going to talk about
0: just quick but, yeah.
1: but I need to ask, you're living off what you catch too food wise
0: yeah yeah mate yeah I think um just because I want to prolong the trip as long as I can and just keep it going. I've sort of, uh, yeah, whatever I've eaten, I've been catching. Even when I was on the beach, obviously for a month, you can't really have um, a lot of veggies and things like that. So there was, I think the main sort of veggies I took that survive is like raw beetroot, red cabbage, sort of uh, sweet potato, and then fish, whatever I could catch, I'd eat. So a lot of gummy sharks, a lot of bronzies, a mulloway here and there, Um, and then same, kingfish. And now, obviously, tuna for the rest of my trip. Probably, but, yeah, there's a lot of tuna. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, let's last story. We have a bit
1: over time, but it's well worth it. Swordfish out of Esperance. Take us through that, because I know you put a note on your car or something. Yes. Be, i got to be. If be I'm not back by here, blah blah blah. Take us through it.
0: Oh yeah, so me and uh, a good mate of mine, Jethro, he's an absolute animal when it comes to fishing. He. He makes anything I do look silly, to be honest. So we um, sort of had a plan that we wanted to catch one off the south coast a few years back, and um, we took my 5.9-metre poly out to the shelf and sort of drifted around for, oh, I was a three-day sort of thing. We start got out the first night, drifted the night the next day, um, and then, yeah, we were lucky enough to end up hooking up. Had a sort of four-hour fight with whales, bloody everything, jumping around, but the spot we went to is actually more um Bremer, which, uh, yeah, they get a lot of killer whales there. So we sort of waited until we heard the killer whales had left. And then we just decided to see what would happen. So, yeah, we were lucky enough to get a monster sortie. And you um, left a note on
2: your dash before you left in case uh, yeah. you got stuck out there for a few extra days for people to yeah, so come in search. The-
0: yeah, the, so I left a note on my car saying we would be back by Wednesday <laughs> 2 o'clock or something um, and where we were, there's not many people in WA, like uh, it's very spread out compared to the east coast so yes. we, there wasn't very many people in this town but I didn't want to scare anyone from the caravan park or something So, but then we ended up hooking up at about 2 o'clock <laughs> and on our way sort of when we were planning to come in, we thought oh, we can be an hour or two late, it won't be a problem um, so I was able to Send messages to my old man back in Esperance, and he was able to ring the caravan park, then go change the number on our, uh change the note that I had in my car, so that because we didn't get back in till about oh, I don't know nine ten o'clock at night, and then um same thing we ended up one of the pilchard boys there we ended up rocking up to theirs the next day and and going oh can you weigh this fish for us because there's no weigh stations or anything like that and even all the locals were pretty shocked that we just pulled this thing out of their ocean like and they'd been fishing there for 30 years sort of thing and how uh, big are we unreal. talking mitch uh, 175 <laughs> <like>, kilo. <laughs> Yeah. Bad. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit big for the little Polly. It didn't quite fit, but uh, yeah, somehow we managed it. It was, uh, Yeah, that was probably fish of a lifetime, I think, by far. There's been a few, but that one's <laughs> got to be right up there. Mitch, we've loved chatting to you this
2: morning on Real Adventures and following uh, your story on social. If you want to follow Mitch on Instagram, or his YouTube channel. Make sure you head to Gorn underscore Fishing. Mitch Johnson is his name. And it is just the tiles on fishing shots. It's something out of National Geographic. It's quite extraordinary. (laughs) Mitch, thanks again for joining us. No, thanks a lot, lads. Nice to meet you. That was Gearing Up for Dometic. Mobile living made easy. Reds Reviewed for Club Marine, Australia's leading provider of boat insurance. It's time for Red's Review, our product review of the month. Thanks to... Of the week, rather. That's thanks, right. Come to Come on, we're uh, better than that. Thanks to Club Marine. And we've spoken about uh, this company before. Rail Blazer, they're out of New Zealand. And we're reviewing, specifically this morning, their Tackle Caddy console. Now... I think
1: this, you're having a dig at me, realistic, because all
2: my cup holders are always full of crap. Exactly right. And I think that's, that's relevant for everyone, Redman. Now, the beauty of these is they've got... A whole range of different holders, whether it's lures, whether it's um, pliers, extra mono, you name it. So they ho- it holds um, two plano uh, series three four hundreds tackle boxes.
1: So it holds three tackle boxes.
2: <laughs> slots for pliers, lures, as we said, phones. Yep. Um, it's easy to assemble. It also attaches Redmond. This is the thing that I like. About Railblazer, it attaches to their uh, starports. So the starports are the things that you screw into your boat, and then you attach your your rod holder to. Now these attach to exactly that. So in order to put it and attach it to your boat, all you simply do is screw those into your boat. So you can either put your tackle caddy there, or you can put your rod holders there.
1: You can screw them into uh, cool boxes and everything. All of it, literally. Yep. So and they just mount in. So you can you can buy that adapter, the actual star adapter. Like you said, not necessarily as a rod holder. You can buy it to literally drill into the side of the boat if you want, yeah. not actually in the holder itself. Now,
2: the universal—that's the beauty of yeah, it. Universal.
1: Yeah, universal. And you talk a lot about Railblazer, and to me, of all, and for, we pay for it. Well, this is not a plug. Oh yeah, not a for yeah, free. not a plug but in the slightest. It's just a
2: great product.
1: What I like about it is it's plastic. Yeah, I think that's the more of the fact. It's.
2: Yeah, the everything breaks durability.
1: on my boat and it's actually plastic and it's durable so it actually will last forever so definitely get one of these if you want to be a bit more organised in particular around the actual bait board station in itself that's where I would be running it for more information head to www.railblazer.com
2: that is Red's Review for Club Marine that was Red's Review for Club Marine Ensure your boat or jet ski with Club Marine, Australia's leading provider of boat insurance. Check the PDS to see if this insurance is right for you.
0: You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood.
2: Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for Red's Tip we're talking about... Fitting your harness properly. Now, I'm assuming we're talking game fishing, not rock climbing.
1: Yeah, we are. <laughs> not bad, you know, some, some. That's of the, a dad joke, some mate. Of the, You some can't of, laugh at that. Some of the conditions I fish in, you know, I wish I had a harness that tied myself <laughs> into the boat like rock climbing. But, <laughs> mate, the amount of people that I see fishing for barrels and swordfish and every marlin with their harness just put on so poorly, the bloke's back on the rod must be going to snap. And I like, can...
2: I, I. Can totally understand the point that you make around sit, fitting, uh, fitting it properly because when I caught my 135 <laughs> kilo, <southern laughs> channel, honestly, you set up the harness for me. That it was honestly, it was easy to fight yeah. the sit. way that you positioned me in the boat. I could sit back in the harness, get your butt, you know, it was easy.
1: Yep, but and it is if it's you, on
2: properly. But then you
1: see some people and it looks some. like you're gonna like. You pull it, you're going to rip a disc out. It has two parts to the harness. Let's paint a little picture here. As A part that goes around, I guess, the, your kidney sort of area. And it's got to be tight. Because <laughs> a 130 kilo
2: fish pulling underneath the ocean, you don't have to pull it it's off going you. to work your gear. So you need
1: it to be tight. There can't be too much movement. So around your top of your kidneys and then around your butt cheeks, yep. down the bottom. It's like sitting in a bloody chair. It's literally what it's meant to be. The amount of people that you I see... You can YouTube this. Oh, You can just... The amount of people I see with the two straps literally around their back yeah. and the fish is just... Yes, he's he's holding the rod to you, but it's making your life a hurt. Like, it's hard work. So, <laughs> if you do see it slipping up, because they do slip up, and I know, remember you fighting your fish, I just walk down, I would basically grab your ass and yep, give pull, it a pull down, pull it, like, pull yep. it down. If I had to loosen it off and pull it down, I will, and then tighten it back up. Yep. So... I was on the road for three hours. Well, no, I wasn't. I'm not stupid enough. Sturzy was on the road three hours last week, and I just kept when it slipped up because he's got pants on. It does slip a little bit. I just kept Kane pull, pull it down, tighten it up, and just because it does make it easier for the angler. So put your harness on properly, and if you do see it slipping up, take the ten seconds to fix it because the poor bloke's back is going to be uh, going to be sore the next day. Beautiful work,
2: Redman. Now the flying gaff. I need some help. I know I've, you do. I've, I've got a few issues with birds in my lawn at the moment, and I love my lawn. It's really important to me. But at the moment... The well, you co- want my gun? The, no. Or cut that. Because <laughs> I did find that if you shoot one of these birds, it's like a $15,000 fine. But these cockies at the moment...
1: They're not the black ones, are they?
2: No, no, like the, the white oh, ones. And what's the pink ones called?
1: Galars. Galas You're a galar.
2: <laughs> and the galars don't move, mate. You can walk up to a galar and it's like that they know that you can't do anything to them. You can't net can just, them. I'm just picturing you can't, this on your
1: back lawn. There,
2: they 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 treat you with contempt. But I need something. Whether I don't know, people have said there's beetles in your lawn. I need something to pour on my lawn so they will stop destroying and digging holes. Because at the moment, it looks like a mine site. It's like they're
1: excavating, and they're they're within. They're like deep. Robbie told you to put plastic bags on holes around the lawn. Have no, you done that?
2: And doesn't work.
1: <laughs> oh, and I've tried,
2: uh, I've tried high-claw fluorescent stuff, which people recommended me. Bought it at Bunnings. You know what they use that as, Redmond? <laughs> Seasoning. So it's like it. it's <laughs> added an extra tang to it, and there's more cockies. <laughs> a bit of paprika. So if you've got something for me to stop cockies and... Uh, AK-47. What are the pink ones called? Galas from attacking my lawn... Please, send it into Real Adventures because they're doing my heading at the moment. Can you put a permit in for... And I don't want to cop a $10,000 fine because they're protected or whatever. It's 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 a struggle at the moment. What are they eating? Your actual lawn? Yeah. Well, they're digging the crap out of my lawn, whether it's trying to get a bug underneath it. But I... Oh, I tell you what.
1: We're eating kangaroo poo.
2: Oh, they'll be eating something.
1: Can you wrap the show yeah. up?
2: <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> Sorry for blabbing on. We'll see you next week to talk more
1: fishing on Real Adventures. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.